Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Thank you, Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm very excited, very happy to be back, being able to minister to you again. Thank you so much for joining us. All those that have contacted us and and continue to tune in, listening for the word, worshiping with us, it's been a wonderful time. And so I'm very thankful that there are things that are happening in our nation right now. We're making our way through this process. I I know some of you can't see me yet at this point. uh, We're in the process of transferring the cameras, but I just thought I'd talk for just a moment before I begin ministering. The numbers of cases are going down. Hospitals are being emptied out. There's tests that are being done in California that are telling us that the infection rate is probably 50 to 85 times more than we actually realized because of the antibodies test that they're doing, which means that's good because that means that the death rate is incredibly and significantly lower than what we had understood with this COVID-19 crisis that we've been living through. Folks, I want to tell you that God has got this thing in control. I know that there's some civil unrest that's happening. There's some peaceful protests that are happening. People are speaking out, concerned about the overreach of government and all of those types of things. But I want you to know that the church needs to continue to do what the church is doing, and that's ministering the word of God, being faithful, being helpful, reaching out to one another. We're at a place in this process right now where... People are beginning to be furloughed and laid off of their jobs. This economic shutdown has gone far enough now to where, where uh, they're not even needing nurses. They're not even needing the people that they thought the healthcare system was going to be crushed in every area. Uh, uh, hospitals would be overwhelmed. There wouldn't be enough beds, enough ventilators, all of this negative news. But today I want to ask you this question, whose report will you believe? Because we're going to believe the report of the Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And the report is much better. Was this a light thing? Was this unimportant? Was it another simple flu? No, it's, it's considerably more than that. It has been a challenge. It is considerably something different than we've not seen before. But all of the prediction of doom, all the prediction, thank goodness, we've lost, we have lost many souls. A lot of people have perished because of this situation. And of course, that is very unfortunate and... and, and, and It's something that we can't take lightly. But I still say that it doesn't match the number that we've lost in in other things, influenza, the effect of drugs, the effect of alcohol, uh, the suicide rate, other things, depression that are affecting people. Folks, the world needs the church today. The world needs the word of God today. And so this morning I want to go to the word if we are prepared Looking for my guys up top. Good to go. Okay. I want to take you this morning into the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. Television news is not the way. Government, not necessarily the way. Scientists, not necessarily the way. They're part of the program. Fear is not the way. Running on our own fuel, negativity is not the way. I want to tell you this morning that the word is the way. 
The word is the way. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 12. Many of you know it so well you can quote it. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, no creature, no, how, no matter how microscopically small, whether it be a virus or something else, no creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Of course, that's speaking of the Lord. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Those in the house could be seated this morning. Of course, that is the profession of our faith. Jesus is the high priest. He is our priest. He's seen it all. So that scripture is talking about the word of God. It's quick and it's powerful. It's amazingly powerful. And if I can do anything this morning, I want to encourage you that during this time, if now is a time than any other, to get a hold of the word of God, bury yourself in the word of God, devour the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. It's a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105, a light unto my path. Word is powerful. It is a bread of life. It's the very sustenance that we survive on. I believe and I will contend today that the nation is where it is and moving forward and, and, and blessed as it is through this process, even as tragic as it's been in some cases, is not because of government, not because of plans, not because of science, not because of medicine, but as I said before, because of the word of God, because the church is strong in this nation. And we need to continue to recognize that it's the church, the presence of the church, the love of God that we have, the continual amount of prayer that goes on around this world continuously devoted to God seeking his will and his way that is the power that exists in our nation that is what's carrying us forward the word is the way 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 15 says it this way and I'm going to give you some scriptures today I'm going to roll through so I know I've got uh, Sister Tina who has been fantastic uh, on on one of the feeds that she's on whether it's Facebook or YouTube Uh, she has been uh, putting those scriptures up there for me Uh, we're getting to a place here where very soon if not even today I'm not sure if we're able to get them up on the screen fast enough Uh, but I'm going to roll through a bunch if you want these scriptures I got a whole great little set of them here all about the word to encourage you into word to inspire you to invigorate you just how powerful the word is, how meaningful it is. No matter what's going on in your life, what you're dealing with, what's happening out there, dive into the word of God. It enriches you. It builds you. It gives you strength and courage. It makes you fearless because you know that what's inside that thing is the word of God. It's literally Jesus. It's his will. It's his way. It's who he is. It's powerful. You get fearful, you're worried about what's going on in the world today, dive into the word of God, read some scripture. If you're not sure what's happening to you medically, something's going on, you're fearful for your health, dive into the word of God. The word is the way. The word is the way. 2 Timothy 3 and 15 says it this way, it says, and that, uh, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? That's all the things that you live by. That's the teachings that you follow and you live your life by. For reproof, to check things, to put things under a microscope. Is that right for me to do? Is that wrong for me to do? That's re- 
reproof and for correction. Sometimes we do things wrong. We get off the path. We do things that are unpleasing to God. The word is right for correction. Thank you, God, for the times that you've corrected me in my life and that you've given me new direction. And then for instruction in righteousness. Well, why is that important, Pastor? Because righteousness is what's going to carry us through. It's what's going to keep our relationship with God. It's going to keep us on the right path moving forward. You think this thing that happened to us right now is a challenge? Any of you go without food? Anybody go without their internet during this challenge? Anybody go without anything? Maybe a little bit of freedom to go out of the house. Maybe you didn't get to go to the brewer game. Maybe you got a couple of things that were a little bit tighter. It was a little weird going to the grocery store. But literally, think about it. What did we go without in this process? But I'm here to tell you that things could get worse. There could be that time. Maybe there'll be a time something infects uh, our food supply. Maybe, maybe there'll be a lockdown that's greater than this sometime in the future. I don't know. I'm not a predictor of doom. But what I am saying to you is this. That instruction in righteousness, that, that, that faith building, that, that covering that the word gives you will carry you through those times of uncertainty and fear, just like it is for us right now. I've talked to so many of you, encouraged, inspired, feeling good, doing well. I know when I'm talking to somebody who's been in the word, they've been in their prayer, they've been talking to God, they've been doing things the right way, you can just tell it's all over them. It's in their spirit. Now, of course, we get into the old interpretation game when we talk about the word. And, 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 and I want to address that right now. Is it an interpretation thing? Is that even open? No, it is not. Second Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 20, says, Knowing this first, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. I've heard that so many times over the years. Uh, a bunch of old men 2,000 years ago sat down and wrote stories. God inspired them. It says, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. One man said to me one time, he said, he said hey man, listen, the book's telling you that. Of course it's going to say that about itself, that it's inspired by God. It's not a bunch of stories. That disqualifies it. And I said this, I said, well, what would you think of it if it didn't say that? Think about that for a minute. It stands on its own. The word has been under assault for hundreds of years, literally hundreds of years. Burnings, uh, outlawed in some places, outlawed right now in the, excuse me, in this, in this world right now. There are nations who've completely outlawed the word of God. They've tried to bury it. They've tried to burn it. They've tried to take it out of society. They've tried to put stuff in that doesn't belong. They've tried to take out stuff that does. For centuries, this thing has been under attack, but it survived the test of time. God has brought his word through every generation to his people even through to today. Paul confirms that the doctrine he wrote in the epistles were given to him through inspiration also. He says in 2 Peter, excuse me, uh, I said Paul, I said Peter, confirms the doctrine he wrote in the epistles. 2 Peter chapter 3 and 15 says it this way, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you. The wisdom was given unto him. He was inspired, as also in his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, or they wrestle with it, they fight with it, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. 
Okay, now that's, that's a big chunk of words that basically says this. Peter's acknowledging, and I had it right the first time. Peter was acknowledging Paul writing the epistles. He said he got them from God. He was, they were inspired by the, by the Lord. Uh, these wise words that he was given. And he's talking about people that struggle and wrestle with it. The unlearned who refuse. They don't want to know. Oh, nope, I don't want to learn that. I don't want to understand that. And they want to wrestle with the word. They want to fight with it. Well, that's not true. Well, that sounds like an opinion. Well, that's some old guy from 2,000 years ago wrote that. But he says they do it under their own destruction. Warning. Don't fight against the word of God. The word is the way. The word is the way. You can wrestle with the scriptures. You can be confused and you can struggle to understand. You can err in true meaning to your destruction. People say, well, I, 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 Pastor, I have a hard time reading that these and thous. I always hear, ever hear the these and thous comment? And, and I, I get that. It is difficult. Some of it's really challenging, right? And some of the words, Paul was a very educated man, and some of his passages can be, if you don't take them a piece at a time and study. But that's why we're called, Pastor. That's why we're called to rightly divide the word. Study to show yourself approved, as the word says. We've got to divide it. We've got to search it. What does that word mean? What, is it, what does it mean to me? And as you do that, as you break the word and you continue to dive in, you continue to devour those words they, and, and you study and you find resources. Oh my goodness, are there resources available in, in order for you to get into the word of God and define words? The, the Bible, you know, it's basically Hebrew and Greek. And, and so the, the translation stuff isn't hard. All this stuff about, well, you interpret your way and, and other people, inter- no, 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 no. A word has a meaning. It is a word. And it has a core meaning. It has a meaning in the Greek and it has a meaning in the Hebrew. Now you can try to interpret passages one way or the other, but you can define that through the word of God. Those words have meaning. Goes on to say in that same passage in verse 17, ye therefore, beloved, seeing, you know these little things, these things before, uh, before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked. In other words, don't listen to that stuff that people that, 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 that hate God, that don't want anything to do with faith and don't want anything to do with God. Don't listen to their wickedness. Uh, f- and then if you do, fall from your own steadfastness. In other words, don't, don't be aired away. Don't be pulled away and fall away from your diligence to get into the word and define it and to understand it and to read it. Many of us believe, and I believe this, now this is opinion, but I do believe this, that you can read the word, not completely understand it, but read it. But the word says, and it tells us, it gets into our heart. Our, our spirits understand it, and we know it. So maybe you right here in your intellectual mind can't reason it at the moment, but just those initial readings, those first readings that maybe you don't understand, it plants a seed in here, and it has power. And then all of a sudden one day I've had this experience. You in the room here today, you've had this experience. You've read a scripture 15, 20, 30 times. All of a sudden, pow, something jumps up at you and go, I never understood that before. That's the revelation of the word of God. That's the power of the word because the word is the way. Verse 18 says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, what's the knowledge? Well, of course, the only thing that we have, the word of God. That's what builds the relationship. That's what creates that that connection between he and us, and that's what builds that knowledge. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. That scripture finishes. That's beautiful. Now, Paul, the apostle Paul, now Paul, of course, many of you know and understand, Paul wrote nearly 
what, three quarters, three quarters of, the, of the New Testament. The epistles of Paul are, are almost the entire New Testament. God moved on him, took a horrible person in Saul, a man who persecuted and killed Christians and converted him, took the worst of the worst. What a testimony that is. You could preach on that all day long. Took the worst of the worst and made him a powerful man of God. Why? Because even though he was a terrible person, he was a horrible persecutor of the Christians, he was educated and he was connected to the Gentile world. God saw something in him that said, this guy could be a force for me if he got a hold of my word. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus put the word of God in Paul. He knocked him off the horse. He blinded him. He said, hey man, your, your name's not Saul anymore. I'm making you Paul and you're going to preach for me. And that he did. So he kind of had this don't take my word for it approach in a way. He challenged believers. Listen to what he says. He writes to, to Peter in 2 Timothy 2 and 15. I said it a moment ago. 2 and 15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A workman. That means there takes some effort to it, right? That means that you got to be a student. you got to be a diligent person seeking the word of God, trying to understand. If you said to somebody at one point, I can't get into the Bible, it's just too many these and thous, I don't understand, you gave up, you are not a diligent study. You are not a student of the word. You are not a workman who's seeking to understand. And I think it's important to ponder some very important questions uh, that I've encountered with people over the years, uh, just sharing the Bible with other people and, and just talking about the word. It's incredible, folks. It's incredible. Our, our opportunity right now is, is unbelievable. It's tremendous. Find a way. Find a way just to introduce into conversation your faith and who you are. I guarantee you the opportunity to begin to share the word of God along with your testimony will open up. I will go so far as to say this. We have to do this. We must. Every one of us, not just Pastor Cordell, not just Bishop Kylie, not just Pastor Mike or Pastor Rob, everybody, everybody needs to come out of this thing finding a way to introduce this conversation. Let God open it up for you. Look at some of the things that I've encountered over the years. Some say everyone interprets their own way. I mentioned it a moment ago. You can believe your way if you're sincere. I've heard that. Can a person be sincerely wrong is the question. What does the Bible itself say about that topic? I think we need to explore that. What does it say about being sincere and good and, 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 and doing the best to understand but possibly being wrong? Is doctrine really important? Is there really one doctrine? I've heard that many times. Well, pastor, I believe there's many roads to get to Chicago. There's many ways to get to God. Everybody has their own way. I think a famous talk show host lady said that one time on her program, practically blew up the Christian world. Is that a thing? Is there multiple ways? Well, I just understand a certain way, and, and this is the way I'm going to go, but I know God. I'll get there. Are there false prophets in the world using the, world incorrect, using the word incorrectly today? Hey, how about that? Can we do a little exposing of the enemy this morning? We don't talk about false prophets very much, do we? But are they out there? Wolves in sheep's clothing. Maybe we should explore that. What identifies a false prophet according to what the Bible says? I think that's something that's important. Is the Bible, the word, the doctrine, scripture, gospel, all those things, or is all that necessary for salvation? Is every word from cover to cover necessary for salvation, or can we just pick out those parts that we like and, and just agree together? Let's all agree together that this one part that we like is, is enough for salvation. 
Well, let's see what the scripture says. Let's dive on back in here again. I'm going to keep moving quickly. 2 Timothy, again, uh, Paul writing to Timothy in chapter 4, starting at the first verse. It says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Who are the quick and the dead? The quick are those that are raptured out of the world. When, when the time comes, when Jesus returns, the Bible says he quickens our mortal bodies. The spirit within us are quickened. So we're not dead. We, 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 were, we were here for that point. For that part, excuse me. Uh, the dead, of course, are the ones that were gone before he returned. He judges the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Now, again, remember those words from before. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. It's important. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who's they? The people of the world, the people that you're trying to minister to. He's talking to Timothy and the apostles, right? He says that they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't listen to you. But after their own lust, so they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. What does that mean? People are going to find themselves teachers, pastors, ministers. They'll go where the person is saying the things that they want to hear. Scratch my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. They're going to go find, they'll find the church where the guy says, oh, you're doing everything you did before, but you, you, you did it, you just did your one part here, you grabbed this one part. Of the, That's good. You're awesome. You're great. Be here. Make sure you give your offering. He said it right there. They'll find teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That tells me that if you take a segment of the word of God, non-sound doctrine, of course he's talking about doctrine derived from the Bible. Where else would he be calling from in this particular context, right? He's talking about doctrine that's drawn from the word, from scripture, but it's turned into a fable. So that tells me that you can take the Bible and do things wrong with it. Make sense? Now, 1 Timothy, he wrote there in the first letter in chapter 1, At verse 3, and he says, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So apparently at that time even, there was already some other stuff that was coming out. Now if you get to reading Paul and you get to understanding the epistles and you're reading Corinthians and Ephesians and Philippians, you'll find out as you study that that was happening. Those churches were established in the book of Acts. And they were established on the right word, on the doctrine that Paul is talking about to Timothy. But even then, even that soon, they began to morph out into other doctrines. What was happening at the time? What was happening was that doctrines of this Greek philosophy and of this worldly uh, uh, type thing that was coming out of Rome was infecting some of these Christians. They were pulling some of this stuff back in from the old life. It was comfortable for them. They knew it. They knew the goddess Aphrodite and the, the god Zeus and all that kind of stuff. And they knew these particular ways that they liked to worship. And, and I just felt warm and fuzzy when I got my little frog king thing carved out of wood and I, worked, and I prayed to it three times a day. And so what was happening, even then, even then, just shortly after this was established in the book of Acts, they were already being drawn back into some things, pulling things into their faith that didn't belong. Listen to Paul's powerful instruction to Timothy as he goes on, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Powerful words, 4 and 13 says this. It says, till I come, Paul's on his way. He's going to come and be with Timothy. Till I come, give attendance to reading. What did I say before? We've got to read it. We've got to be giving attendance to it. In other words, be diligent to exhortation, studying, talking about it. 
Well, it's not enough. I mean, I, I, I think it's a powerful and fabulous thing when the people of God get together and they exhort one another. And they talk about the word and they share. It's kind of like what I'm doing right now. I'm exhorting the word of God with you. I want to expose some things that God has revealed to me. I want to show you the word. I want to remind you. I want to refresh. But I, the people that are listening today, I want to get a seed planted in your heart today that this word, that this Bible isn't just that dusty thing that grandma and grandpa had sitting on their shelf and it was just an honor thing, but there's power in it. It's fun to read. There's just amazing joy inside here. There's encouragement inside. There's power to it today. First Timothy 4 and 13, again, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation. What does he say? To doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy. In other words, don't, don't uh, neglect that spirit that's in you that, that'll help you understand that'll, that, that thing that was given you when we laid the hands on, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. In other words, when the leadership got together and they laid hands and you received the gift of the spirit, you know that the spirit inside you will help to understand. It'll help to, to, to define these things for you. It'll bring understanding and revelation to you when you read the word of God. There's promise in the word, too, that that same spirit inside you that you got from the laying on of hands, that spirit inside you will bring to remembrance the words maybe you even didn't realize you knew or that you forgot, that you read years ago. It'll bring it. You're talking to a friend. You're talking to somebody and sharing the word of God, and all of a sudden those words just start to roll. They just start to come out just like this, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, I didn't know I even memorized that scripture. That's the Holy Ghost inside you. That's what he's talking about. Now, verse 15 says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Meditate on them. Think about it. I know we're doing the Bible reading program in the church right now. We got a little challenge going on to read for uh, 2020. Should be a little bit easier maybe now to get some of your reading done. (laughs) But... There's a reason for that, because I want to encourage people to dive back into the Word of God. But how easy it is when you're trying to get your reading done, get through today, make sure you don't get behind, that you just and get the reading done, right? And you're all done. But did you meditate on it? Did you, did you absorb it into who you are? Did you make it part of you? And so maybe during the Bible reading program, that's not so easy. But I can tell you during this time, I've had an opportunity to dive in and study so much more than I have ever in the past. And I'm so thankful for that. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. What does that mean? It's going to be evident when you're filling yourself with the word of God and you're exhorting with one another and you're sharing. Word of God just has a powerful way of lifting you up in life. It helps you pick your head up. My eyes are looking over the hills. I'm looking to him because the word, I'm reading the word and it's telling me some amazing things. And you can walk taller and you could stand taller and you could speak better and you have energy in yourself. It says it's gonna profit, it's gonna appear to all. It's gonna show that you're, you're just, just eating the word of God. Take heed unto thyself and to what? Unto the doctrine and continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Remember the, word, the question, do we need this for salvation? Not only do we need the word of God for salvation, we need to follow the instruction that God gave us for the salvation process. Not only do we need that, but we need this diligent meditation, wholly giving ourselves to the word, just constantly continuing in the words, being in it all the time in order to do what? As he said in verse 16, to save thyself and to those that hear thee. 
Do you know that when you become an expert in the word of God, when you've got things that you can just roll off and share and give your testimony and accompany that with the word of God, you're going to see people saved. You're going to plant seeds that will draw people. God will use that and draw them by his spirit because of the seed that you planted. That's your responsibility. That's our responsibility. Not just pastors, not just ministers, everybody, everybody. Paul instructs Timothy further in 2 Timothy, back to that again. Sorry, I jumped back and forth in there a little bit. It's good stuff. Paul instructs Timothy a little further, 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 24. He says, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. What does that mean? It means fuss, fight, argue, be an angst. You don't, you don't need to strive. Strife is not good. But be gentle unto all men. And so in other words, when you're working with people and you're talking with people, you want to share the word. You're desperate in some cases to, to share your testimony and your word. You want to see people come to church. You want to see people have a relationship with God, but you can't have strife between you and that person. You can't beat them over the head with the word is what that's saying. Right? But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. And now oppose themselves simply means the ones that are just, they're refusing to receive it. They're, they're fighting against their own souls and they don't know it. I don't want anything to do with that church. I've, I've, church people are all a bunch of hypocrites, blah, blah, blah. They're opposing themselves because eventually they'll hurt their own souls, right? If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. In other words, you got to be gentle because there's that opportunity where they might say, well, you know what? I, I have done this wrong. I'm going to repent. I, I want to turn to God. The word will do its job. The word will do what it does and it'll turn their hearts and it says that, that God will allow them repentance for acknowledging the truth. In other words, the word, the doctrine, the gospel, the word of God, it's the way. The word is the way. <clears throat> and it goes on to say, and, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. See, they may not realize it, but by refusing the word of God, never diving into it, never learning it, they're in the snare of the enemy. But look at this, what it says here in James. It's not just about reading it. It's not just about studying it or hearing it or, or meditating on it and, and all of those things I said. Those, it's very, very important. It's extremely important. But look what James says in chapter 1, the book of James, way back at the far right side of your Bible. James chapter 1 in 21 says this. It says, says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive the meekness with meekness, the engrafted or implanted word, which is able to do what? Able to save your souls. So that filthiness and superfluity, that's talking about living in the flesh. It's talking about living just carnally in the world without God, without word, without any faith, without, without a connection to God. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. In other words, the implanted word, the word that's being given to you, it's being preached to you, which is able to save your souls. The word has the ability to help to save your souls. You gotta follow it. Now look what verse 22 says. I, I referenced this recently. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That tells me that there is action required. There is something required of you. Oh Lord, that sounds like works. Well, maybe it is. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, talking about looking in a mirror, and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Look in the mirror in the morning, go, oof, cordal, yikes, no hair, old. 
but I put that mirror away and I go about my day and I forget other people have to look at me all day long. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, in other words, the word, that's what that is, the perfect law of liberty. Whoever looks into the law of liberty, that should be your mirror. That should be the glass that you look into more than any. And continue it therein. In other words, study. Stay in the word of God. If you look into it and you stay therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There you go. You gotta be a doer of the work. So look at the apostle Peter. He's writing. This proves that the gospel and the word are one. One thing in the gospel uh, and it's the gospel that Peter preached. In 1 Peter again, we're going to go back there one more time. 1 Peter chapter 1 and 22. It's incredible. 22 says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Wow. Obeying the truth, doing the work, being a doer of that work. The instruction that's giving, the salvation. You've obeyed that. You've been a doer. The truth, you've purified your souls through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Isn't it interesting talking about the Word of God and talking about studying the Word of God and that you've obeyed it and you're doing this, that Peter inserts a little comment that we need to love one another fervently with a pure heart. You know what fervently means? Fervently means with fire. We've got to love one another with fire. It's so critically important. And it's tied to studying the word of God. It's tied to being a doer and obeying and purifying our spirits. 23 says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Now, in other words, it's saying, not being born again of, of flesh. That's, he's not saying you need to be born again like, like Nicodemus in John, John chapter 3, where he said, do I have to go into my mother's womb again and come out? No, not being born of corruptible seed, not being born of flesh, but being born of the word. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man, and everything we have, all that we're all about in this life, is as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower therefore falleth away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So there you go. The gospel and the word are the same thing. And it's able to save your soul. The word is the way. Paul ministered to the Galatians about the dangers of false prophets and false doctrine. This is something we got to be real about. I said it at the beginning. We don't talk about it a whole lot. Maybe we don't consider. Well, we don't want to point the finger at somebody. Well, that's a false prophet over there. He's a false prophet. We don't want to get too far into that. But at the same time, we've got to recognize that the word can be perverted. It can be changed. It can have things taken out. It can have things put in. We've got to be careful to be true to the word of God. Galatians 1, 6 through 12 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. The Galatians, he just saved this church in the book of Acts just a short while ago. And already it says that they're deserting him and turning to a different gospel. Verse 7, not that there is another one. Now I'm in the ESV version right now. It's a little easier to understand. It says not that there is another gospel because there isn't. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. 
So Paul's talking about when he first preached to the church and they were saved, the Holy Ghost fell. We found it, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 8, 2 and 10 and so on. He said, you, we, we gave you this gospel and they distorted it. I, I don't care if an angel from heaven's preaching you something, if it's not the same thing that you were preached at the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, if it's not that, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking the approval of man, or excuse me, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? It's a good question. You looking to just please maybe, maybe uh, someone in your family, maybe you have a faith tradition in your family that goes back a long way and there's a, maybe there's a patriarchal figure of faith who's sort of been with the family for a long time. He's conducted all the funerals. He's been at all the weddings. Well, we want to please him. We can't turn away. We, we want to please him. We, 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 he'll be angry with us if, if, if we start looking at this thing in the book of Acts where the church started. That, that's not good. Well, who are you pleasing, man or God? Or am I trying to please man, he says. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Plain and simple. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. I told you. Jesus knocked him off the horse, changed his name, blinded him for a while, gave him his word. Paul's a good guy to listen to, I would think. Peter asks his own question about those who don't follow the word in 1 Peter again, chapter 4. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? What a powerful set of questions. He says the righteous, those that are following, those that are doing their best to be on target, on par, studying the word, doing what they're supposed to, if they're going to be scarcely saved, it's going to be like by the skin of their teeth. Right? Look at how much we struggle in life with our flesh and, and, and doing right and our sin. We still sin. We still make mistakes. We battle in the flesh all the time. That's why we're going to be saved by the skin of our teeth if we hang on and we're still asking God forgiveness and living a life of repentance and diving into this word. What's going to happen to those who said, nah, pff, I don't want anything to do with that? It's a very frightening question. Here's the answer. Gives a bit of a different review of Jesus than many are used to, but listen to what it says here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7 says, And to grant relief to you who are afflicted, as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not, what? Obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. My goodness, what a picture of Jesus Christ returning at the second coming, coming back for his church in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on the people who refuse the word. See, Jesus, when he came the first time, you know, he didn't come to judge the world. He had nothing to do with judging anybody. If you notice throughout the word, when he caught people in sin, he forgave them, go and sin no more. He wasn't here to judge then. He was here to save. He was here to seek and to save that which is lost. He brought his word to save and to forgive and to save and forgive and to give grace. Now is the time of grace. Now is the period we can jump into this word and say, yes, God, I see it now. I see it. I heard the preacher. I got to get into this word. That's now. This is now, right? Grace is for now. There is no judgment now. You're not under judgment. 
You understand that, right? There is no judgment for you right now. But when he returns, that's the point when he says, look, I gave you all this time from Calvary to today. When that trump sounds and the trump of God is there and the people are called up, that's it. I'm sorry maybe that some people's philosophy, some people's religion says that Jesus is just all loving, all giving, all caring, and everybody goes to heaven, everything's going to be okay. That's not true. It's not accurate. He says it right there. He's coming back in flaming fire of vengeance. That's when judgment begins. He's going to judge those who did not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. My God, do we have to have a desperation in our lives right now. I said to you earlier, it's our job. It's your job. It's our job to get out there. Find a way. Find a way to share your testimony. Find a way to get into a conversation about the word, to get a Bible study going with somebody who's never heard one before. You know, we're pretty good around here about having Bible studies with one another. And I like that because that's part of, that's part of that, that journey of, of studying and exhorting and, 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 and building one another up. That's really good. And we're real good at that. But you know what we're not real good at? Starting up new ones with brand new people. In a broad sense now. Now, I'm not chastising anybody. I'm just saying we got to get to a place now where where we have the courage and we have the mind to say we can do this. I can get a Bible study with somebody. How many of us gets up in the morning and says, God, give me somebody today that I can start a word, a study the word of, that I can share my testimony with? Every day, every day, every day, get up, wake up. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Please send me somebody that I can open up the word of God with. Send me somebody I can have a Bible study with. Send me somebody that's hungry for the word of God. Every day, every day, every day. Because he's coming back in flaming fire of vengeance for those who don't obey the gospel. Verse 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day, to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. That word testimony there, Paul is talking about. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about when he ministered the word of God to them. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. Is that not enough to build a fire underneath us? The word is the way. Look at the importance of doctrine in John's word, 2 John 1 and 9. Whosoever transgresseth, transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is a partaker of his evil deeds." Somebody comes to your door, starts preaching something you know is not accurate. It's not doctrine from the word. It's some philosophy of some religion. Don't say, good luck, have a good day. Just say, appreciate you stopping by, have a great, you know, <laughs> and on their way. Don't wish them Godspeed. Here's Paul writing to the Christians at Rome in chapter 1 and 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth and to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Powerful. Know ye not, in Romans 6 and 16, know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to him whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Remember what it said in those scriptures before, obey the gospel, those who obeyed, those who did not obey, flaming fire of vengeance. Well, he's saying right here, whoever you yield yourself to obey, that's your master, that's the one that you owe allegiance to. 
But God be thanked that ye were the servants, you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. The doctrine, the word is the way. The doctrine freed them from sin. They became children, servants of righteousness. Ephesians 4 and 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. We hear that scripture all the time, right? The five-fold ministry of ministering the word of God. I'm here today to tell you that those titles are not acquired through, through study, the, excuse me, through, through some form of licensing, through some organization, through some kind of a special testing that you do. Those titles are not given because of some special group of people, some guy named pastor, some guy named minister, those titles apply to the people of God who are willing to take the word of God and go out and share it with somebody. Some of you are gonna be apostles. You're gonna go around. You're just gonna find people wherever you are and you're gonna share the word of God. Some of you are gonna be prophets. You're gonna have some amazing things to say, share. Some evangelists traveling. Some people are gonna be pastors, pastor in your home, pastor in your job, pastor in your neighborhood. I'm not the only pastor in this church there's some odd 200 uh, pastors in this church in my opinion and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and of cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive and I'm closing this morning with this. John chapter one and one. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Who? The Word. And without him, who? The Word. Was not anything made that was made. In him, the Word, was life, and the life was the light of men. Hopping down to verse 14. I know many of you know this well. And the Word was made flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is, was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, before, uh, before, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by who? By the word, Jesus Christ. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He gave us grace. He gave us his word. You know, a man and his word cannot be separated. They're the same thing. It's his word. Folks, the word is the way. The word is the way. Jesus and this Bible, Jesus and what is said in here, that gospel, that doctrine, that word, they're one and the same. And they're alive today. And they're doing a great work. Finally, John chapter 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me.
those in the house can stand this morning. I want to go to the Lord in prayer this morning for you. I really, really, really pray that what I shared with you this morning, this word, that it inspired you to get a hold of this thing. Grab your Bible. Dive into it. My recommendation would be this. Start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And dive into the book of Acts. Why? Because the book of Acts is the birth of the church. It's when this whole Jesus thing started officially in the world. It's where the first churches were established. The first Christians were saved. If you want to know how to be saved, if you want to know if you're in line with God's word, if you want to know how to obey the gospel, how do you obey the gospel, pastor? What what, what does that mean? Well, here's some practical tactical for you. There are steps laid out for you in the book of Acts, just like it was laid out for those first churches. You want to know how to obey the gospel? Follow that word. Listen to what they said to the people who wanted to be saved. And they looked at the Peter and they looked at the apostles and said, men and brethren, what should I do? You want to know how to obey the gospel? You want to know how to partake of the word as the way? Read that. See what was told to them and do the same thing yourself. Jesus' name. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that this beautiful, awesome testament of your will has survived the test of time for 2,000 years. We know that the Bible is your instruction, Lord God. It is your direction. It is food for our souls. It's protection. It's encouragement. It's the thing that shields us and covers us and carries us through life when there's crazy challenges, when fear comes upon us, when, when terrible things happen in our lives. It's the word of God that wraps us like a blanket and surrounds us and covers us in peace. Lord, right now there's some souls that have listened to this word. They've heard your scripture, not my word, but the words that I shared from your gospel, God. Right now they've heard it. And Lord, I'm praying that you've taken that word, those pieces that have floated through this broadcast, and you've planted them firmly in the hearts of people who desperately need to hear it. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you begin to fertilize and and, and water and nurture that seed in those hearts, God, that they would be drawn to you, that they would ask, I want to study this thing. I want someone to help me. I want somebody to reach out. I, I want to sit down with someone and understand this thing. Once and for all, I want to be saved. I want to obey the gospel. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, for every soul that's heard today, I pray for you today. Let this word grow within you. Let this word become part of your lifestyle, part of who you are. Abundant life is here. There are many learned people, very good Bible study teachers, people who are willing to share this with you. Reach out to us. We can do it over Zoom and do it over online, phone conference, whatever it may be. But there's people that will stand by. I personally will reach out to anybody. I've got a couple things going, but I can, I can include someone else. We can do more to dive into this word and help you understand. In Jesus' name, thank you for being with us this morning. We're going to worship a little bit in our altar time. We just encourage you right now, just lift up your hands. Praise God. Speak to him, Lord. I want to live this life for you, God. I want to obey the gospel. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be turned away when you return, God. I want to do the right thing. Help me to understand in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. 
If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.